1: Welcome to this week's episode of The Neuro Show. In today's episode, GCN Plus goes boom. What now? How do we watch cycling?
2: We're both a bit fed up with these bike industry is ending videos we discuss.
1: Shane Miller is still waiting for a reply from Shimano. We're waiting with him. What's the story with these power meters?
2: We also have a bit of training chat with Chris. What
1: sessions does he use to indicate his fitness? And why is he training in a singlet? I don't know. Is this cliche for us to... Talk about GCM Plus? It is a bit, yeah.
2: I, I think it is.
1: It is from the perspective of going back and talking about what we, th- well, why we thought it went wrong. I mean, we were on the record, not to sort of blow our own trump, but we were on the record a long time ago talking about why we thought this whole thing was potentially on the card. So, from my perspective, I don't want to really talk about the, oh, what went wrong sort of aspect of this. Mm-hmm. My, mm-hmm. The more I kind of think about this and what I was hoping to run past with you was, do you think we will ever see something like this again? Have uh, have we had it as good as we will ever have it in Australia and the US? Because ultimately this doesn't change much in Europe from what I can gather. Um, for the rest of us, do you think we'll ever see that again?
2: I actually for Australia, it's not that big a deal, really. How many people want to watch Dwar's Door Het Hagland? Like, it's just such a small group of people in Australia that it's not that big a deal here, really, that it's not going to exist. Because there can't be that many people using the app to watch the races that you couldn't have gotten access to here through our other streaming services. So will we ever see it again in Australia? I'm sure at some stage, a long time down the track, but it's such a small market here. I I don't, I don't think it never made sense.
1: I think the disappointment really is around what this could have been. Okay. I mean, what, what we saw was this absolute self-contained cycling app, which was going to deliver you everything cycling. I mean, you know, I I will be honest. I, I think, would have in a, in a in a parallel universe in a future dimension. How good would have it been to have the neuro show through GCM Plus? All right? I, I don't know. That's just something that kind of th- I think about a bit. That like that could have been where we ended up, or any more interesting content ends up. That's gone for now. The point you made about how many people want to watch pro racing—that is the, ultimately the point here, Jesse. You have nailed it. So. I did some journalism this week, okay. believe it or not. Um, mm-hmm. I just need to quickly say just before I do say anything about this, um, there are people who have lost their jobs. I actually know a couple of them. I know Benji knows a couple of them. So this is all around the – discussion that we are aware of that, but as cyclists and cycling fans, we still want to talk about the entity itself, Mm. but Mm -hmm. okay. So coming back to how many people want to watch these things. So diving into a little bit of the numbers and, and removing, removing ourselves from the grand tours and the monuments, I was able to work out some of the connections. Let's take, let's take, for example, a race like Torino Adriatico Mm -hmm. this year. Okay. Mm -hmm. One week stage racing it's a world tour race. right. One we'll week stage race. Stage six, which was the queen stage of that particular race. How yep. many, Australia's a bit funny because of the time zone type thing, so we don't know how many people were streaming it live. How many people do you think were geomarked Australian when they downloaded stage six of Torino Adriatico?
2: I would like to think it's in the, to make money, five to f- ten thousand would be like that's decent sort of enough to make it worthwhile?
1: So the range I was given between was between 1,000 and 2,000 downloads. Okay? Total? Total. Oh, my God. Which is okay. laughable, right? Mm-hmm. You'd agree. That's laughable. But he, here's the weird thing, right? Yep. So if you look at the highlights, the highlights on YouTube of that exact stage, so this obviously doesn't just show Australia, it shows global. So um, GCN Racing, I think that exact stage had about 150,000, 160,000 views and there was a, a Eurosports channel which had forty or 50,000 views of that exact stage. You could add those up to be over 200,000 views. You then go step back and go, right, okay, so there's 200,000 views globally of this race. 1,000 of those, you know where I'm sort of going yeah, with this, was yeah. from this part of the world. So why would anyone – by licensing, bother putting a platform together and distribute it out to this country. Now, I'm I'm talking about Australia. Sadly, it kind of gets worse for America. Now, I wasn't able to work out the the streaming of that big stage six of Trino adriatico but if you look at the, uh, the numbers of people viewing the Tour de France, so the actual overall metrics on the mainstream channels of viewing the Tour de France in the U.S., to Australia, they're actually very similar numbers, which surprised me. Now, obviously you remove the, the absolute golden lance days. When you move forward to, I think it was 2021 was what I looked at, kind of looking at the same numbers viewing it in Australia that are looking, viewing it in the US. So it just kind of doubles down on the fact that we are here and in the US, just a very, very tiny, tiny piece of the pie and so if you're an executive of Warner Brothers or Discovery and you look at these things going, why the hell are we subsidizing this? Cut that stuff off. Let's just double down on our main market. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I think um, I'm kind of shocked how low those numbers are. But you could – I had a feeling because you just chat, you're just just chatting with people. There's not that many people logging into the app to watch those lower-level races. So – Yeah, that's quite surprising. I mean, the other thing as well that I always wondered how many views got were all those GCN Plus original films. How many views are those getting natively on the app if they're not on YouTube? It can't be more than 10,000. Because I think of the views that a a video like that would get on YouTube, a successful one that does well, maybe, maybe it gets 100K. Actually, no, it would be a bit higher if it's on GCN's channel. Okay, I'm talking about, I'm considering that as it relates to a a vegan cyclist video or something like that. Let's say actually on GCN's video uh, channels, let's say it gets 300K. Inside the GCN app, like how many views is it getting that are more than just uh, clicked on it for a minute? Again,
1: can't be that many. Have you ever watched a whole GCN Plus original so, film? Weirdly, the week before GCN Plus dies, I watched the whole one of them riding uh, in the Himalayas. Yeah. Okay. I, I just, I had never watched one. And the week before I, it was, yeah, it got me. I, this is when I was sick. So it was perfect. Like Chris has the flu. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it was fine. Was on. It was like yeah. It was like one of those Netflix things. It was on, um, and I, I I quite like those presenters when they're sort of in those. Uh, I much prefer those presenters when they're doing that sort of stuff rather than, I don't know, you know, can I use a gravel bike on a road bike in a cr- cycle cross race over a cliff? Yeah. So, but that was fun. But I uh, just came back to the app. I, I the whole thing. It just felt like this weird proof of concept that they come up with a few years ago. It was like, right, we're going to pile all our ideas into this. We've obviously got a bit of funding to do it. We're going to see, see what works, see what sticks. And, you know, the, the next iteration of this will be, will be the, the one. Unfortunately, there is no next iteration of this. I, and I don't think, like, producing those videos were ultimately the downfall of this app. I just think that ultimately the audience isn't really that big for what would have been the main part of that whole selling point. I mean, did you even have GCM Plus?
2: No, I ended up yeah. not renewing it. I mean, you're. Because I don't, I'm not going to sit down and watch three hours of some um, back-ass
1: European race. I, I don't need, it's not filling my time in and the week. The more I think about that, the fact that you're not, and I didn't, I didn't have it for a good portion of last year, like if we don't have it, yeah. <laughs> like, come on, who's going to actually have it? Unless you're like a full rusted on, yeah. I don't, actually, I don't even know who.
2: But, the, but there were times when it first came out and I had used it, it was good. Like it was fun to have as a kind of novelty. So, we, But we were on sort of borrowed time because it never made any money. So uh, it, was, it was, yeah, it was nice to live in the GCN Plus era and now we're going beyond and we can all uh, appreciate
1: what it was. I, I don't want to be like, full captain negative from this, but I, I totally agree with you. I think in Australia it's like a little road bump. I, I don't think, sadly, the cycling community is growing dramatically one way or another due to sort of its access to pro cycling. I do think this is a pretty bad thing for the U S like watching bike racing in the U S European bike racing is so friggin hard
2: okay. already
1: yep. to have now made it even more difficult to do legally unless like flow bikes come in and buy. I don't know how that's going to work. Maybe they can buy some rights, get it on their app, which has got a bit more traction in in North America. But this is a proper roadblock for anyone trying to actually watch it. And that I do think that matters. Like there are races that it's kind of cool to be able to see like Paris Nice, Milan San Remo, like these things will not be a thing Someone riding in Nevada. The only
2: thing is, before GCN Plus, we weren't able to watch these races anyway, so we're kind of just back to the status quo. That's how I. That's why I'm not that upset about it because four years ago, I wasn't able to watch those races anyway, unless I was on, you know what, cycling website. So um, I'm not. <laughs> we're not allowed to mention it. it. Yeah.
1: Wow, we get cut off. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> it's a bit.
2: It's like counterfeit. So. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, so you you never really legitimately had access to these races anyway.
1: So it was Well there was a phase. There was a phase in Australia where Eurosport was on Foxtel. So I know that's very, very Aussie chat there for you. But Eurosport was on there. So there was a good period of time. Remember back where you had where you would record overnight. You would do the old, you know, schedule a recording overnight of Dwarz Drawn Dan Vlanderen. But you always had to remember to record the thing after it because scheduling would always go go over. So all those little tricks. So it has been a while and it has been a while since you've had really no access to that and you've fully had to rely on SBS, which is my thing about the US is they don't even have that. And so you're going to be going full next level like VPNing. I mean, VPNing is going to be what everyone's going to do. It's basically because all these rights, by the sound of it, are going to move to the Discovery app, especially in Europe. Now, I don't know how that will work, whether you have to – how you can buy – you might have to set up an uh, an app account in Europe to actually buy the app because you know how sometimes – Yeah, like so what app are you buying? Yeah, well, it sounds like it'll be a Discovery app. Right. So it's like – this is, this is really common at the moment across all the streaming services. Everyone is consolidating their content. That's the like the buzz phrase at the moment, like consolidate your content. And so Discovery would have looked at this and gone, well, our, our content's like spread over all these different apps. Let's just bring it all into this one app and have have it all in there. And we know, unfortunately, that when it all comes into this one app, cycling will be handled like shit. It'll be handled as the like the one percenter because we probably are that. And so it'll be a tab like right at the end of the app, like other in sports, and you'll go in there and somehow find it.
2: So potentially in future people are going to use their their VPN if they can manage to even create an account on Discovery, Warner Brothers, whatever that app is that has Eurosport, and then you'll be able to watch the races there. But it's such like who can be bothered? Like (laughs) (laughs) I guess people can. There's no way. I'm I'm not a VPN guy. Are you a VPN guy? I'm a VPN guy. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I blew
1: my kids. Mine's open when I, they got the couple of new episodes of Super Kitties the other week that weren't released in no. Australia. They're only released in the US. And they're like, Dad, that doesn't come out till next year. I'm like, You just wait. <laughs> <laughs> you just wait. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No VPN VP until I die. Should okay. I be admitting that? But anyway, whatever. All right, guys, let us know your thoughts. Was GCM Plus as good as we are ever going to get it? Is there any way forward? So the bike industry is going up in flames, Jesse. And what you've got to do is you've got to have you got to have we well, got to have flames on your thumbnail and then you got to have this arrow pointing down and like maybe like this sort of uh, in- industrial setting behind me burning or like coal-fired steam coming out of it because everything's blowing up and the world has ended. What do, what do you think about this content to start with? Because everyone has done it. Absolutely everyone has done it. From GMBN tech channel to, uh, you know, obviously bike shops to just random punters. Everyone's getting in front of the camera and telling us that the bike industry is blowing up. And seemingly people really care about it because these videos get bulk views, right?
2: I swear all those videos are just pure recreation because they don't actually solve anything It's just throwing at the industry and then throwing it back on the consumers because there's this other one that that you sent me, breaking down the cycling industry's troubles, who's at fault? Um, And Lewis here was saying that it's mostly at the consumer's fault because the newer cyclists are more willing to spend buy the mid to upper range bike straight off the bat and that's inflating the industry a bit. So the more brands are more likely to cater towards that mid to upper end. So he's kind of blaming the riders and then there's other people that say, "Oh, the brands are all a ripoff." It's just you can. It's it's still the same. If you want to get a good deal, you can still go and get a good deal. If you want to go and spend fifteen US dollars thousand US, you can go and spend fifteen thousand US. Like, well, it's on It's on everyone. I mean, I kind of get his point actually. In that, if you want to get a good deal, go and get a good deal. They're out there, but most people. Don't want
1: good deals. Most people want. <laughs> I, he's right. Most people want good bikes. So, but I want to blame someone, Jesse. That's my, that's. I want to go. I want to log onto YouTube. I want to see an angry thumbnail that shows the industry blowing up, and I'm gonna get angry with them. And I'm gonna blame someone. I don't care who it is. I'm gonna. I can blame. I can list you the people I've seen blame or the who the, the entities that I've seen blamed so far. I've seen. I've seen obviously the 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 brands themselves blamed. I've seen the raw materials people blamed. I've seen the people ordering things blamed. I've seen the shipping people blamed. Oh, the supply chain. Supply Supply chain chain. being blamed. I've seen shop owners being blamed. I've seen cyclists being blamed. Now that gets better than that. I've seen I've seen cyclists, old head cyclists, like rusted on people who don't buy anything. They use their chain for seventeen years before they change it. They'll get blamed then I'll see new cyclists get blamed. It's like we gotta the result of all this stuff seems to be we have to we have to get angry at someone or push push this sort of issue onto someone else who's I don't know whether it's not ourselves or what it is. I don't know. But I just find all this content we've we've reached a point now where okay <laughs> okay we all agree we all agree that something happened during the whole sort of COVID phase where there was a total F-up. Absolutely, we agree. Well, the reality is we are in this position in 2023. There are good deals. There are bad deals. There are $100,000 factor bikes. There are decathlon bikes. And no one's at fault for all this, guys. We just We just have to settle down a little bit and lower our voices and maybe potentially move on from this.
2: So I'm... I'm all for picking a specific bike or specific scenario and discussing that. Like we did with Canada and I say, hey, why are they charging espresso prices? <laughs> yeah. I think that's interesting. But these sort of broad industry things, I just, I just go, you can't <laughs> go so general.
1: It's interesting. I will say, so I did watch the Daily Mountain Biker, did a really good little parody of, did you see that one? It was a cool little parody of, Supply chainy type stuff that played out over the last five years, um, a bit like Jimmy Reese. Do you watch any Jimmy Reese stuff? Okay, that sort of style of thing. People, if you, I'll put it, the link down below. Go check it out. If you want the whole story in forty seconds, that's it. That's all you need to watch. Move on. We've we've done with that. But what I find really weird about this is everyone gets all uppity about this and starts sort of we want to blame people for what's gone wrong. But then when things go wrong or don't work, no one seems to care. So um, Shane Miller's been doing this. I've absolutely been loving this series of videos he's been doing about the, the Shimano power meter. So quick backstory, Shimano updated their firmware on their power meter. He did some tests on it, found that it was still just as accurate, inaccurate as ever, potentially worse. Uh, And then this whole correspondence between him and Shimano begins, where Shimano go back to him and say, well, we can't can't guarantee the calibration of it beyond it leaving our uh, warehouses. So basically saying that, you know, it's calibrated in our warehouse. What happens after that's not our fault. It's like, what? It's, It's just a total shit show. And just looking purely at like youtube metrics which is a pretty good indicator of what people are kind of getting interested about like these videos of stuff not working doesn't actually get as many views as just throwing shade at the bike industry and cyclists for the bike industry supposedly being a total shit show
2: even on that shimano power meter thing as an example it's still for sale and that's where I blame the retailers. Like, why are Case still selling a Shimano power meter? It doesn't work, and they have still got in the description two percent accurate. So that's what I mean with these broad videos. I think are kind of pointless. In the Shimano power meter example, I put a bit of blame on the retailers for selling something that doesn't work. They should be rocking up and dumping them back at Shimano Australia's front doorstep and saying, "Give us some money back. They don't work." Because the buck stops with the final person that's selling them. And it, we've already seen the, some of the bicycle manufacturers not speccing them on their bikes. That, that you, you don't get a Shimano power meter on a, a specialised or a Canyon. So they've already started not speccing them. That's thumbs up. That's good. But the retailers should follow, follow suit. And so it's those sort of examples where you can call out you know, certain parts of the industry but not on a,
1: not on a broad level. I wonder in other sports or like other hobbies, whether people get so worked up about, everyone feels so, have, have like an ownership of the hobby. Like clearly everyone feels like they are members of, of the cycling union or something. And, you know, we all have a say and we all have a, an opinion and we all have a, a, a share of the future of our hobby, Like, which is cool. Don't get me wrong that like everyone has that sort of sense or maybe it's just on YouTube. I don't know. But that we we care about what happens in the future. Do tennis players care that like, I don't know, that the rates of playing tennis has gone up? I I don't know. I just, I find it kind of in a weird way cool and also like strange. Mm. Just coming back to the power meter thing really quickly. And um, potentially one of my favourite moments from any YouTube video this year was Shane uh, Miller referring to the, like, because he's he's kind of saying, well, Shimano, you're measuring watts. It's a thing. Like, you can't just create a different, like, indicator. And I think he used the frame Shimani's. Shimani's or shonk watts. And he did. He got all high-pitched. Like, Shane Miller, when he gets high-pitched, <laughs> that's, gold. that's gold. Absolute gold. But, um,
0: So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited
1: Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15,
0: 15, just 15 bucks a month. Sold! Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes
2: per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: It did get me kind of thinking like, so whatever, Shimano, Power meter. It is the power meter thing, is one area where I definitely believe it's it's real news, not fake news, that those Chinese brands are legit, proper competition. Like, straight up. No two ways about it. Now, I know GC did a good one on his machine power meter recently. Um, I can personally attest to the Sugi one and the XKD, which. Their names are so shit. What,
2: why, how, it's not that hard to pick a Western name if you're going to ship it over. Or even just like subsidiary brand and it can be under Sig C- but it's called Crank Brothers. <laughs> crank uh, um, Let's come up with a power meter name. What would you call it? If you, had a, if you were Sigayi and you had to name your power meter to sell in Australia, what would you call it? Even like S-Crank or mm. X-Crank. It's better than
1: Sigae. <laughs> <laughs> um, XKD as well. It's just like a, a capital X, and then KD. So you're like, where is there a dash between the X and that? Why is there an X there? Yeah, I don't know. So, Magine
2: no. is quite nice. Yep, I don't mind Magine that. Magine works.
1: Magine yep. works quite well. Cybre. Cybre. Cybrae.
2: XKD Cybre. XK. Cybr- works. Yep. Yeah. Yep. They're all in the same bucket.
1: They're all in the same bucket.
2: Speaking of deals. And that's why we, I think actually because I'm probably going to contradict myself because I, I did say probably six months ago that the brands focusing on the mid to upper level is going to drag everything up, but there are still brands doing good deals. So Merida Scultura, 6000 on 99 bikes, 105 Di2. It looks shit hot, white paint job. It's $3,800. For DI, for electronic shifting, disc brakes, which I wouldn't want, but most people want, so you can't argue with that. And average wheels, but you could upgrade them later. Like that's that's pretty cheap. The, that group set on on uh, if you wanted to buy it alone, it's almost two thousand dollars. So that's um, that's a great starter
1: bike. There are deals out there. I reckon I reckon that bike selling. I have seen so many of those. It's easily. The most dominant bike in my bubble, Centennial Park bubble at the moment, without a doubt. And it's a nice looking bike. Like, and the people riding it, you know, are, you know, solid bloody cyclists who are going to be getting a good bit out of it. Can I actually just quickly, this is unfortunately another non-sponsored shout out. We're more than happy to start selling out, but whatever. Um, I've walked into a 99 bike store half a dozen times in the last six months. So I get little vouchers every now and again from uh, from Waratah Masters, shout. Um, The staff in 99 Bikes are the nicest staff I have ever, ever witnessed in a bike shop. Proper like American style, you walk in, hi, welcome to 99 Bikes, can I help you today? I'm like, wow, this is fantastic, (laughs) I'm here for some gels, where are they? And off we go and find some gels and they must deal with some absolute wankers in there and just absolute clowns and didn't matter who, whatever, you just walked in, big smile on the face. Can I help you? Oh, maybe you can offer you something else. I don't know that whether they've got really good sales training or like, I don't know, they're sort of good sales targets for them to hit, but no, nah, good shout. That's all. Well,
2: it is called the world's most approachable bike shop. There you go. According to their front page.
1: I know that we'll get comments about, being blasé about things being expensive, right? It, it's just... What? Well, you're going to get... It's just going it to happen, whatever. <laughs> but I just want to say this, right, that what we're trying to say is like as a, as a collective as sort of cycling, that commentary doesn't really move the needle anywhere. To sit here and, and sort of say, oh, well, bikes are maybe it's because uh, there's lots of research and development into bikes uh, and that's why the prices have gone up and then it's it's got to be black or white. So it's then like, well, well, maybe if we don't do any bicycle research and we just concentrate on entry-level things, then prices will come down. It's like, what? No, I mean, that's, that's stupid. Like, that's not a conversation. You're just bringing up ridiculous either ends of the – of the the industry for the sake of sounding like you're having a kind of nuanced discussion. Whereas all we're saying is that chat doesn't move the needle. There are deals out there. Move on. (laughs) Essentially. Is there a session or like a training session you do that is your indicator?
2: Mm -hmm. 40 minutes zone four.
1: Bread and butter. That's it. That's it. And so you, when you see movement in that. Or the one, chop. Oh, but that's. Normalized power for the hour
2: at the chop compared to the effort level. 100%. Those two those two
1: sessions. That's wild.
2: I get, yep,
1: yeah, 100%. So, it's because I, yeah. And so you would see a big fluctuation in that. Massive.
2: Yeah. I could go and just be absolutely sucking through a straw for an hour and do three, 45 normalized and I, you know, I I know. And then I could go do, come back two months later and I do 375 and we're on. And it's just, it's, but, it's, but, but it's only because right, that's quite, I'm quite fortunate because I can kind of control what I'm doing. If you're not as strong and you're kind of just in the wheels, a ride like that sucks because you have no control over the power you're doing. So it's a it's a little different. Oh, just a, yeah, forty minutes in zone f- low low to mid zone four. And that's it. That
1: forty minute effort for me, that probably hasn't moved three percent in ten years. Yeah, it has. Yeah, it has. You're in good form.
2: You'll be doing that at three twenty five, three twenty.
1: Oh, the oh ch- yeah, forty minuteer. No, not that not, high. Not that high. No, no. So I, I would fluctuate between. 290 and 310, 15, 315
2: maybe. Well, that's a big, that's a 25 watt band. And then if you're factoring in how it felt given the conditions, you can dial, you you can get a pretty good gauge. If you're doing it at 295 and then a month ago before you stopped training or deloading, you were doing it at 310.
1: There's a difference, but it's funny because I don't, I don't use that as an indicator. So, for me, an indicator, and this is kind of maybe this is weird, but like a four to five to six by eight. So, bobos, essentially bobos. And it's, yeah, shut up. All right, this is me. So, I know because, like, if I'm doing the fourth and the fifth, and like I'm really just, no, I just can't, I just know I can't do them. The, the power is starting to reel, It's dropping into the 330s for those, I know, bad times, proper bad times. I know I am, f- like, absolutely on it when I'm well and truly above 350 on those back ends of those eight-minute bobos are you, are
2: you doing them above
1: FTP? Yeah. Mm, okay. Mm. Mm. But for me, I, so I come away, and I don't know, like, I've no understanding of the physiology, I'm just saying mentally, I will come away from that session going, yeah, I'm on, I'm ready. Whereas like if I have, like I've just started doing them again, I'm like, oh God, this is frigging awful. Um, Whereas I could just muscle my way through a 40 minute and be like, yeah, whatever.
2: Well, you kind of have to have a session because I'll see over a training block, my zone two barely move. I'm doing my endurance rides now at 240. When my threshold's 400 watts, I'm doing my endurance rides at 250. I'm training higher volume, so I'll do them for longer. So I bet I get almost no movement in zone two. Actually, I think the endurance ride's the dummy session. So you know when you've got a cold? Let's say you've had, you've had to have a week off and you come back on, and that first endurance ride back, assuming you're not coughing feels amazing. Amazing. amazing diamonds in the legs diamonds. assuming you're not looking at your heart rate yep. that first endurance ride back you're like i have never <laughs> done 200 watts this easy in my entire life so that's but try and go, try and do 30 minutes in zone 4 and you'll you'll blow up so the endurance ride is the worst gauge in terms of um you're checking in on your fitness because it just goes all over the place Uh, With that sort of thing. So that's why I, yeah, higher intensity is a little better.
1: I do find myself cheating though, especially on some of those, some of those, and it's weird to have an indicator session being something that has multiple efforts in it because it's kind of easy to sort of cheat a little bit on them. And I'm notorious for this where I'll do the first couple. It's a little easy. Because I just love that feeling of finishing strong. And it's got a little bad. Like, it's uh, the bar for those first two have just been like, I've almost used them as like little de- decoy warm ups, little mulligans just to start off. And you're like, oh, they don't, they don't really sort of count. But by the back end, you're like, oh, yeah, but I was finishing with <laughs> big, big numbers at the back end.
2: What are you, well, what are you training for? You, you talked about the sessions you do to test your fitness. So, well, what are you training for? What's.
1: So, I have. I'm keen to do the Grand Fondo National Championships uh, down in Mount Bunninyong in January. Okay. However, I have messaged Cycling Australia about this because I'm still. I want to. I want to find out what this actually is because it says it's the national championships. So, it, if it is a national championships, are there sort of titles on on? order here? Like, are we actually chasing a national challenge? And hence, is it going to be raced like that? Because in the past, what's basically happened is, you know, the, this, the age group sections have gone off like a one minute gap between them. And ultimately all the age groups or the strongest guy in all the age groups have come together on the last couple of laps and it's turned into this bizarre, like bunch ride for the last lap because everyone's together. And then you kind of finish with four or five of your other sort of mates from your, from your age group. So I want to know, like, how if that's going to change, and ultimately, then is this going to be a qualifier for the World Championships? Which is something that I would like to do. I mean, the that's if it was a qualifier for it, then I would definitely try and train and get myself in shape to to qualify.
2: It would say if it was a grand if it was a qualifier.
1: I'm pretty sure it's
2: not because it hasn't said that it is.
1: From what I understand, Tour of Brisbane and Amy's Grand Fondo are the two official Grand Fondo. Qualifiers. However, it seems strange to me that the national championships, quote unquote, was was not a qualifier. A
2: qualifier. Yep. I can see that. It only costs fifty dollars.
1: Mm. That is so cheap.
2: Where are you getting into do a fifty Australian dollar grand fondo? Now granted it's only fifty eight kilometers. But the hill you get to ride the Nationals Hill, which is cool. You get to ride the Nationals not just the hill, you get to do the whole course. Um Early bird pricing, 50 bucks. Why wouldn't you do it? Just just
1: enter it. Yeah, well, because it's in Ballarat. But the other thing is that it's one of the few events I get to do on a really hard course, and I, I love that. Like the dynamic of the way this plays out is still a bit shit, and that's what I need to, to sort of get certain in my head. But the fact that you can really do a hard bike race with, you know, other really fit guys in your own age group is bloody awesome, especially having come off that Masters Nationals shit
2: Whatever that was. Well, speaking of um uh, Ma- Australian Masters Nationals next year, for those overseas, you know how big Australia is, Masters Nationals next year is in the lovely little town called Loxton in South Australia. And it, this thing, right, is... When I say the middle of nowhere, I literally mean the middle of nowhere. This is like off the Nullarbor level. (laughs) Like, look on a map, type in Loxton. It is basically rural, not even regional. This is rural South Australia. I don't know how they're expecting anyone to get there while you fly to Adelaide and drive. um, How far is that? Let me map that. So you fly to Adelaide Airport and drive three hours, basically into nowhere to to race. I've never seen, this is on record the worst location for a bike race I've seen in Australia. I don't know. I have never seen a race this far out in the middle of nowhere.
1: This is a proper, you had the map of Australia, you had a dart, and you went, (laughs) (coughs) oh, there we go. That'll do. That got a road? Maybe. We'll see. Yeah.
2: It's all because it's also not on um it's not on the road from Melbourne to Adelaide. Oh, no, no. It's not like it's, it's off that road. It's 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 kind of if you were driving basically across Australia from Adelaide to Sydney, which no one would drive because that's miles and miles and miles, uh, you you may come close to this town. But I thought that was um special shout out. To, uh, to, Lock, to to Loxton. Sorry if anyone listening is from there, but why the hell are you hosting a bike race? <laughs> uh, yeah, wow. I thought it was a joke or I got the town wrong when I when I saw it and I typed it in. Well, they're not having a bike race there. It's the middle of the desert. It's
1: it's sort of stuff like that that makes you uh, well, not appreciate but realise why so many people don't do any of that stuff and end up Turning their local Grand Fondo into a race because it's more accessible and on a circuit that's more interesting. Sorry, Loxton.
2: Actually, I could probably I could go to that next year because I'm turning thirty. Oh wow! So I'm Masters one next year. What do you reckon? Drive out to Loxton?
1: Sure, the rest of yeah. Masters want would be delighted <laughs> by that. <laughs> right, I'm all about vibe now, Jesse. I'm a vibe rider. Okay. Okay. So for the last two weeks, I've done one bike ride in a jersey. Every other bike ride has been singlet or T-shirt, okay? Now, right, you're looking at there going, uh, what are you doing? So, <laughs> okay. it all sounds great, doesn't it? Well, in-, in Not really. No? <laughs> okay. Well, it, there is there is a vibe to it. You do. You get out on the bike, you've got the air blowing through you. Sorry just to rub it in your face, it's Northern Hemisphere, but we are currently entering entering summer here, so- Yep, out we go. T-shirts on, happy days. Now, I want to talk about this not from the vibe perspective but from the practicality perspective because there's a few things that people – you need to think about here if you're going to go vibe, all right? So the first is, you know, it's all good and well for the vegan cyclist in Bass Lake who rolls out his front door and he's on some beautiful Californian alpine climb, not a car – Beautiful, perfection, all good, happy days. He can ride that sort of stuff. I don't live there. I live in Sydney. So what you rem- what you find is when you ride in Sydney for more than two hours, you start to get this like scum. Get the scum, the road scum on your legs. Now I know you only just go around mm-hmm, Centennial Park, yeah. but the road scum yeah. is basically like a black.
2: Yeah. I know exactly dust. what you're saying. Yes.
1: Yeah. So the first thing to realize is you'll get to the end of the ride and the road scum is everywhere else as well and gets under you. So you'll end up getting sort of a bit of road scum because you're flapping about with a loose t-shirt. So it's that little practicality It's because you're a bit sweatier, that kind of sticks to you as well. The other practicality here is don't go cargo bibs, go for the top tube bag. All right. Cargo bibs lollies, all those sort of things just melt. So you end up after a couple of hours, you put your hand in your cargo bib, leg short and it's just a gloop of sugary mess, all right? So you've got to go for your top tube bag. Now I have, I'm running a s- skin grows back. I'll put the, the link to the actual one down below, but minimalist enough. So it's just running your your AirPods, it's got your phone, because none of that's on your person. That's all in your in your little body down here. Happy days.
2: Do you hit your knees on it? A little bit.
1: Oh no saddle. out. No. No. Gotta accept that. Move on. Oh but see here's the thing. I, I've seen you run, but because it's there, it's accessible. So you've still got your access to to your phone, to your airpods, to your food. Whereas like the bar bag is it's an that's not achievable to get in there. Right? Third thing to realise is you will ride slower. You will ride quite a bit slower. So those sort of 40-minute sessions we were talking about, so I do my, I did a couple the other week, 38.5 kilometres an hour,
0: 37. Okay. Right yep. in
1: there. Normally mm. I'd be at 40, okay, for that, and I'm normally bang on around the 300 watts on the road bike. So you're knocking off a good little thing, which – Actually, like on the longer ride, because you kind of set routes here, does kind of add a nice little 10, 10, 12, 15 minutes sometimes to the overall ride, worth considering. Not great for the ego because you do tend to have people riding past you a lot more, essentially, something to consider. The other thing is what actually do you wear? So do you run the full just wife-beater singlet style thing like – from the normal clothes drawer or are we trying to go like a, a dry fit loose sort of some kind of airy type setup mm-hmm. I've gone for the, the normal the normal clothes option at this stage if the vibe continues could potentially see myself in the in the dry fit area you've got no interest going down this route do you
2: I don't like running a handlebar bag so I don't I like wearing a jersey because I u- I need the pockets I don't like running a bar bag again because I hit my knees on it. I'm out of the saddle so that sometimes annoys me Uh, what I do do for my vibe ride if it's hot is I wear sockets yeah so it's not no socks there is a sock on but it's those little socket things that don't go above the ankle it just feels amazing Especially when it's really hot. The air across the lower shin and the ankles feels great. And it looks horrible. I don't know why you still ride with me when I when I rock in into the bark sockless. But that's what I do if it's super hot. And I'll also wear the old training jerseys that have really short sleeves and pull them right up. That's That's about as far as I go singlets mm, then you' on a bar. it's like a whole cascade of events if I'm decide I want to wear a singlet so or that, a that's the
1: thing like I've I've fully it's not like just a one-off now I'm I'm like okay this is my standard routine so that the ba- the bag stays on there it's very simple so that the phone and the airpods go in there so there's no decision to be made it's just singlet goes on out we go the other thing I wanted to say about this anecdotally I find motorists way more patient with me. Uh, maybe I'm not a lycra wanker. I'm not like as aggressive a lycra wanker. So that's, I'm like a bit more of a punter potentially that I'm not as, yeah, I, I seem to be given a lot more passing room actually, which is kind of interesting. The other thing is, I know we've mentioned this a little bit in the past, but normal cyclists or the cyclists that I would normally be, like in a skin suit or normal kit, more reluctant to wave back to me. Whereas the, your crowd, the commuter crowd are all of a sudden we're on a sort of similar wavelength. So there's a little bit, it's like that thing of like, you acknowledge the person who's in your own bubble seemingly. So I don't know. I've, I've moved, moved to a different bubble. All righty, guys. Thanks so much for watching this week. Uh, remember to like, subscribe, and of course, share this show on with all your mates who you think might be interested. All right, Jesse, thank you for your time. Thanks for listening to us. See you later.
2: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.